Acts 20, 7 to 12. We met on Sunday to worship and to celebrate the, the Master Supper. Paul addressed the congregation. Literally, he led the congregation in a discussion. Our plan was to leave first thing in the morning, but Paul, but Paul, it's really not that Paul talked on and on and on. The conversation went on and on and on. Paul was the one that was leading the discussion, but, but the whole community is in a dialogue. Paul interjecting thoughts and people are, and it's just going on and on and on because there's, when you start talking about Jesus and you start talking about the kingdom, and you start looking in the Bible and you start saying, well, well, let's look at this again. There's a lot that you can talk on. And so Paul, he's on his way back. He just wants to say, hey, let's, let's have a long conversation together. And there's some things that we, we want to learn about Jesus and his kingdom. Well, that, that went way past midnight. They were meeting in a well-lit upper room. And a young man named Eutychus. Eutychus means good fortune. <laughs> Luke might have had a sense of humor because this was not a night of good fortune for Eutychus. He fell sound asleep and he toppled out of a third-story window. That's a much further fall than Beth falling out of that chair onto this padded aisle bumper. (laughs) Paul went down, stretched himself out on him, hugged him hard, and said, no, 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 no worries, no more crying. There's still life in him. And Paul got up, went back upstairs. They had the table meal. They continued the conversation. They told stories of faith until dawn. And on that note, they left. Paul going one way, the congregation another, leading the boy off alive and full of life themselves. This gathering in Troas. Troas is in Asia Minor, and Paul is working his way back toward Antioch, which is in Syria, which is home base for him. He's touching base with different congregations of new believers that are combinations of Jews and Gentiles now following Jesus. And so he, he gets together with this group. This is the first recorded meeting of believers on a Sunday, the first day of the week. In, in any, this is the first historical mention of it. But they were gathering. And, and what they're doing, again, I just really want to emphasize, uh, I, personally, I think it's really true. I think that most preachers talk way too much. Uh, it's one of the things that drives me crazy about my friends that are preachers. And I, and I get tired of listening to myself. So I, I, I don't want you to think that Paul was one of those that just went on and on and on because that's not what he's doing here. Uh, what, what Paul's method was to, it was to be, he was a discussion leader. So he would interject, I think, passages uh, from the Old Testament that he had revisited now that Jesus had done, he just turned his world upside down. He said, you know, let's reread this passage out of Isaiah and then let's have a conversation. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you what, I've, what I now see and you can share with me. Uh, the word is really a Greek word for dialogue. We're going we're gonna to have this conversation in this room. He's not just preaching, teaching all through the night. And in that meeting, there was a plan for, the, for a meal. 
uh, which is, again, that was a great place, a great tradition of ours as those that follow Jesus gathering around a table and having a conversation. Yesterday morning, we didn't have a big meal, but we had banana muffins and coffee, and John Arelli showed up, and so Katie and John Arelli and I sat at the, the, the table, and we didn't really watch the clock, and before we knew it, it was noon. But we were having a great conversation. Well, that's, that's this kind of tradition. Now, probably in that meal together, they did, they did break bread and remember uh, the death of Jesus, and they drank the cup and celebrated the resurrection and the return of Jesus. So what we call the Eucharist or the remembrance of Jesus was within a meal. Within the New Testament, it's never without the meal. Separating the elements of bread and wine is something that happened later. But throughout the, throughout the New Testament, whenever they're meeting to break bread, sometimes it's just to break bread, it's just to have a meal. Other times it is within that meal to remember the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Now in that room, it's lit by oil lamps. And so if you can think about a third-story room, which would not have been large. It would have been a storeroom. It was probably connected with uh, a balcony of some sort because people used the, the roof of their house for both drying things agriculturally, and then they would store it. So it's, again, it's not, it's not a room bigger than this. This is not a gathering of thousands. This is a ga- probably a rather small gathering. And there's not a lot of ventilation And there's oil lamps, so it gets warmer, and it gets a little smokier. And old Eutychus, he's sitting by a window opening, trying to get some fresh air. Uh, He's probably worked all day, because Sunday was a work day. And so he probably worked all day in the evening, came over to wherever they were meeting in this upper room. He's had a long day already, and the conversation is going on and on and on. And he's by when he's trying to get some fresh air to stay awake, and it's you know it's warmer and warmer, and all of a sudden he he falls out of the window. Now literally, they picked him up off the pavement, dead. The word "dead" is in the passage. He died, and that stopped the meeting, and Paul goes down. Now, what do you do when somebody dies in your meeting? I mean, I would say that's a big, uh-oh. 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 Nobody died this morning, okay? We don't know what to do. But isn't that a question? Does, does not, like, how did Paul know what to do? Conversation ended. Paul went down the three floors of the street. Wherever they had picked Eutychus up, we don't know. Somebody had, had picked him up, placed him somewhere. Paul went to him. And what Paul did is we, was something we typically don't do. He embraced a dead body. Now, most of the time, which is very few times in my life, where I am close to something dead, I don't tend to go embrace something dead. Do you? I mean, is that the norm in your life to pick up dead things? Or 
you know, the animals that expire in my backyard, I don't, I don't know what the message is in, in a Panther Canyon, but somehow the animals know that they can die in our backyard. <laughs> and so we've had a regular train of dead animals. Well, I, it's not my normal, this skill, embrace that dead raccoon or that dead deer or possum. That's not, that's not, but what's he doing? He went and he wraps his arms around Eutychus. What's he doing? How does he know to do that? Where does that come from? May I suggest to you that Paul, as he's having this conversation, as this group of people is meeting together, that there's also not just conversation going on between people, but also with Jesus. And so that when something happened, a tragedy happened, that, that Paul somehow heard the Holy Spirit say, hey Paul, this is what you need to do. Paul, you need to, you need, obviously, you need to go check on what's happened. And then when Paul got down on street level, wherever the body was, the Holy Spirit in some way said to him, Hey, Paul, wrap your arms around him. Hey, don't you think he was praying? And don't you know that part of the conversation that they had was about the resurrection? And so having a conversation about the resurrection, someone just died... Maybe the thought was, oh, Jesus, resurrected one. Would you have mercy on Eutychus? Would you breathe life back into him? Would you raise him, resuscitate him from the dead in your mighty name? I mean, something. I don't know. We don't have, we don't have all the details here. But what we do not know is that whatever Paul did in that embrace and whatever prayer he prayed and whatever people were doing around him, Paul could say, hey, be comforted. There's life in him. He's come, he's breathing again. And everybody was, I mean, they were really comforted. Oh, whew. And they were really encouraged. And so then they went back upstairs. And that just added to the momentum of these faith stories because what they just witnessed is what they'd been talking about. They had the meal together, and don't you know that was quite a meal. And people are scratching their head. People, wow, we've never seen that before. So what, what, do you, what do you think the point? What's the point of this story? I think it's the very last phrase. They were very much encouraged. They were very much encouraged. Let me remind you from last week what we need again and again and again. If we're going to talk about Jesus, if we're going to talk about his kingdom come and coming, we have got to encourage one another again and again and again. Part of encouragement is we, we've got to comfort one another. When something like a tragedy happens, there's got to be lots of comfort. We have got to 
encourage each other to believe that what Jesus has said is true. We've got to cheer each other up, and that's happening here. And it's connected with the next couple of things. What they shared in conversation and discussion proved true in application. What they talked about happened. What they were sharing about Jesus, what they were sharing about the kingdom of God, what they were sharing about God's involvement in lives was not just theory. When it needed to be applied, as it did with somebody that fell out of the window, it worked. What they shared in table fellowship and the remembrance of the death and resurrection of Jesus was validated by a very encouraging action. Hey... What we celebrate in Jesus being alive, that was just applied to someone that was dead on the street. So with our community, taking this little snippet out of, out of uh, Troas, you know, we really want our theology of the kingdom and its practice in real life to intersect. What well, what we talk about concerning Jesus, what we talk about is kingdom. We don't want that just to be a study of Jesus, a study of God, a study of the kingdom. We want it to begin to intersect with life. We want to be able to say what we believe really works in practical ways in our life. Now, one thing that has happened to me that I could connect to um, was that I was in a house meeting one time. And um, we were sharing a morning together. We did what we've done. We had a time of worship, and I had just begun a time of teaching. And our friend Pauline, you're now Pauline, who had a history of seizures, had a seizure. Now, that seizure didn't, she wasn't going to die, but it sure like, looked like she was going to die. And so, Otto, come here. So, I stopped, obviously, stopped teaching. The meeting came grinding to a halt. I went over and just kind of, you know, help. Then another guy came over and laid his hands on Pauline. We're saying, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, help, help, help. Someone else is saying, call 911, not coming. It was like pandemonium. And in that, what are we doing? What are we doing? Praying. We're praying. What are we doing? We're praying by, there, there's something about laying hands on people. We're laying hands on her. All we're saying is, mercy, mercy, Jesus, have mercy. And all of a sudden, I notice Pauline going, thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. We're going, what happened? It's like, it's one of those, what happened to you moments. <laughs> it was that sermon you were giving a little bit. <laughs> That was the first time that Pauline ever experienced a cessation of a seizure. And what, what did we learn from What we learned from that was, wow. And from that day on, when, when Pauline sensed that she was going to have a seizure, she would mainly call Susan and say, Susan, would you come over and pray for me? Because I know... 
that when you lay your hands on me and you pray in the name of Jesus, it, it interrupts that seizure. The only other thing she did was she drank a little whiskey, but that's it. <laughs> she was really a pistol. But see, though, that, that life experience... I mean, I don't think the church started running around looking for people that were falling out of windows onto the pavement. They didn't start a ministry of, you know, raising people from the dead that fell out of windows. That, it, this, is, this is probably the only time this ever happened in this community in Troas, but they never forgot it. I've never had another experience with someone like Pauline. I'll never forget that. It's a life lesson. Because all of a sudden, what I believe intersected with what needed to be done. And God broke through. The kingdom of God broke through, and he interrupted something. So, this morning what I did, I called uh, just a friend of mine that has a Mack truck. So we just talked about getting a volunteer from one of us. And so we were going to go outside, and he he knows the exact speed to hit you. It will kill you, but it won't mess you up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then we're just going to like you know one by one we're going to go wrap our arms around that body in the street and see who has the gifting to raise the dead you don't want to do that <laughs> no we're not going to do that but if there was an accident right out in front of us would our faith in Jesus Help us in responding to the, to the emergency. All of us have emergencies, whether it's on our block or in our home or in the classroom or at work. And so it does, it does it click in, in the moment, this is what has to happen. Or do we just, I mean, don't ever be afraid to say mercy. Oh, Jesus, have mercy. Mercy is the prayer that Jesus cannot resist answering. Mercy, he will always answer the cry for mercy. So let me come back to this, kidding aside. You know, we're a community of people. And sometimes we can sit in a room like this and we can kind of go through the motions and no one knows that we're really slumbering, that we're really asleep, that there's something within us that's shut down. And that even we've taken a fall. But we did it in private. So no one really knows that we took a fall. What I want those of us that may be slumbering or we may have fallen to know is this. If you're slumbering and if you fall, we will embrace you. And we will embrace you in the name of Jesus. And we will ask that his life, his resurrected life, would flow through us into your deadness and he would raise you. We will not abandon each other when we fall. Doesn't matter why we fall. Doesn't matter what we did when we fall. that's, That's irrelevant. We are a community of people committed to embracing one another. So that each of us can be full of the life of Jesus. So now here's the really, this is the courageous thing. You know, I don't think Eutychus, he didn't show up that Sunday 
thinking that he was going to be the center of attention. I mean, he didn't put himself on the window ledge thinking, okay, you know, if I fall out of here, they're going to come help me. I mean, I'm sure he woke up thinking, what what happened? And somebody explained it to him. But that whole community witnessed what was going on. So when I ask us as a community to be involved with each other, maybe you should remember this story. So I'm going to ask you, you, are you slumbering? Have you taken a fall? Because we, sitting around, we want to embrace you. And it, it, it can't become public knowledge without you saying, help. I, I, I need help. And so I'm going to ask you just to take a moment and just, do you need to respond? If you are slumbering, if you have fallen... And you need someone to embrace you or several people to embrace you and for the life of Jesus to pour into you. This is, this is a moment to do that. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to help us to be bold with one another. For those of us that are slumbering, for those of us that have fallen... We need the boldness to admit we need help. And then for those of us that respond to that need, we need the boldness to wrap our arms around those that are slumbering and those that have fallen and believe that by embracing the dead, they are raised to new life. In the name of Jesus. So Holy Spirit, would you give us that boldness now? That we could be a community that's encouraged by you raising us from these dead spots, these dead moments. So anybody? Anybody relate? Anybody feel like you're slumbering? Any of you feel that you've fallen? And any of, anybody need to be embraced with life? If you just raise your hand if you do. Okay, we have Dorothy here. Nathaniel here. Anybody else? Okay, well, I don't want to overwhelm Dorothy and Nathaniel, so I don't want everybody rushing. So take a moment. Uh, Holy Spirit, direct. A couple of us, two or three, to embrace Nathaniel and to embrace Dorothy. Okay, if you believe that the Holy Spirit is directing you to be that person to embrace either Dorothy or Nathaniel, would you just move toward them and do that? This becoming an obstacle now. Thank you.
Lord, we invite your kingdom to come. We want you to be in charge. We want you to rule and to reign here. We want you to do through us what you want to do on the earth today. And Lord, as I've read and thought about this passage and how you would want to apply this truth to us, I believe that you want to raise those of us that have fallen, those of us that feel that we're slumbering, you want to raise us to life and the level of life. And so we invite you to bring your resurrected life in a powerful way to all of us as a community. We want, we want to be a community that is alive with your life. This congregation led the boy off alive and they themselves were full of life so when your life flows through us all of us are filled with life Lord we want to be a community of life your resurrected life and Lord we want to be that life in the midst of a dying world and Lord we as a community want to embrace death believing that you have conquered death and that you will raise the dead to life. So Lord, what I ask, I ask that you would give to each of us the gift of life, that we as a community of people would be full. Life and life overflowing. And that Lord, we would take the blessing of your life out with us into this world and to, to just really deliver a message of life, the message of forgiveness, the message of your mercy to the world around us. Thank you, Jesus, that you're alive. And thank you that you want us likewise to be alive.